BAM Radio Network. If we're hung up at all about sex ourselves, it's hard not to project that onto the children. But definitely make sure that we're working together as a team with the parent in terms of sexual development for the children. It's going to happen in the classroom right from day one, and we can't just say, we're not talking about this. Parents are often very embarrassed and reticent to talk to their kids about things and communicate to them, nope, we're not going to talk about it, make it go away. And that makes kids turn to other sources. Hi, welcome to Body, Mind, and Child with Ray Pika. Pat, Kevin, Meg, thank you so much for joining me on Body, Mind, and Child. It's likely that every parent and early childhood professional at some point has been confronted with sexual behavior from the children in their care. And I would imagine that considering the many sexual images that children are privy to these days, those instances are on the increase. Because sexual behavior is such a hot-button topic, it requires special care. What's normal, what's not, and how do parents and early childhood professionals best handle it? That's what we're looking at today. Kevin, humans are sexual beings. From a developmental perspective, does it begin in early childhood? Yes, I mean, every one of us is a sexual being, as you've mentioned. And uh, from fairly early on, children are interested in sex. They respond to sexual stimulation, even as infants. And most children, by the age of 10, already have a strong sense of their attractions, either to the opposite sex, the same sex, or both uh, sexes. Hmm. So the preschool teacher or parent finds children shedding clothes to compare body parts and, or even touching their own or each other's body parts. And that's normal at that age? Absolutely. It's hard to, you know, talk about sexuality without sounding controversial, even if one is really not. Uh, however, I want to make a statement which I can back up with lots of research, and that is the more that we make something that is natural and healthy into a taboo, the more we create unnecessary dysfunction within the targeted group. In this case, we're talking about preschool children. Meg, what are your thoughts on this from a pediatrician's perspective? I do agree. You know, children are very much sexual beings from the get-go. Even little baby boys have erections, and I know that as they move into the very early years, four, five, and six years old, they become sexually very curious. And I think it's very important for parents to feel comfortable addressing issues with their kids in a very nonchalant, non-shaming way so that parents establish themselves very early on as the go-to person for a child to come to to ask questions and to figure things out. And one of the things that I find as a pediatrician is that parents are often very embarrassed and reticent to talk to their kids about things and communicate to them, nope, we're not going to talk about it, make it go away. And that makes kids turn to other sources to find information, i.e. schoolmates, teachers, other people. So I think it's very important for parents in particular to be comfortable with their kids' sexuality and to talk to them in a non-shaming and a very positive way so that they can teach their kids that indeed it is private. Their bodies are right. Pat, Diane Levin wrote a book called So Sexy So Soon in which she talks about the impact of media and marketing on children's sexuality. Do you see the selling of padded bras and thongs to children and adolescents and the provocative behavior of young pop stars having an impact on the sexual behavior of preschoolers? 
Absolutely. We see it all the time in the daycare setting, especially in the dramatic play area, watching how children interact with each other, um, how they dress. And we even go as far as to look at it in infancy when you just look at what's available for parents to purchase for their children, what child needs uh, writing on the back of their behind that says, you know, cutie patootie or something like that. So it, it starts very, very early on. And just like Kevin mentioned, that healthy sexual development begins right at birth. Well, in addition to the way they're dressing, what other ways are they displaying these behaviors in the, in the preschools and childcare centers? Well, obviously, children learn about sexuality just like they learn about everything else through their play, exploration, their interactions, their relationships. And often, like Meg had said, that parents all need to be comfortable talking about it. The same thing is true for daycare providers. They need to explore their own values regarding sexuality so that when the child naturally explores their own body at a year and a half or two, three, four, that they just don't automatically have that stop, don't touch. In fact, you know, we so often pride ourselves with saying, look at your eyes and there's your nose and oh, don't touch. Okay, your knees and then your feet. And we sort of skip the whole genitalia area because we don't feel comfortable talking about it. So therefore, children will start even at a young age of two and three, start exploring it on their own with each other, which is normal and healthy. We just have to know how to respond to it in the daycare setting. Well, and how should early childhood professionals handle a situation, one that we have described as normal? Often what I say is it starts with first having policies in place. So when parents decide to bring their child to a particular setting, we talk about that we're very honest and open. We will answer children's questions. We do use correct terminology for body parts. So the parents are first aware of what is the philosophy of the program. And then we also say, yes, I know that feels good, but that's something that we do in the privacy of our own home or in the privacy of our own room. We also look at, is the child doing it for soothing, for comfort? Then we could look at perhaps some other ways that we could help the child soothe themselves. But we really want to make sure, as Meg had said, not to do it in a shaming way. And that's where the care provider has to feel very comfortable recognizing it and saying, yes, that does feel good. And then work on looking at it. Is it something that needs to be redirected? And a two-year-old does not understand privacy, but a four-year-old does. Well, Pat, with with sex being such a sensitive topic, especially for parents who, who often do have very specific ideas about how and when their children should or should not hear or learn about it, how much input should an early childhood professional have where a child's sexual education is concerned? I think it goes back to having a clear philosophy for the center and having many, many conversation with the parents as we go through and say, these are the common behaviors we would expect from a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old. So we're constantly working with the parent as the child ages, in addition to even talking about why we don't include Barbie dolls or brats in our preschool settings, why we choose anatomically correct dolls. And so we're constantly sharing this information 
on a continuous basis. So then the parent is obviously always the first teacher, but we do also have to make sure that we answer those questions when the child asks it. Are there standards for what's developmentally appropriate on this subject? There are definitely some standards, and the ones that I prefer the best come from the Sexual Information and Exchange Council of the United States, I think is a very good resource for parents as well as for daycare programs. And it really talks about the normal stages of development that go through all of the different ages. And I do recommend with the programs I work with that they keep these resources available and they're constantly providing the parents with information as their child ages so that they know what to expect. We are running out of time, but Kevin, let's talk about what may be inappropriate sexual behavior. When should a parent or teacher be concerned? You know, when the behavior is becoming uh, something that we would classify as sexual and not simply as, you know, exploration, if you will, then uh, that, that behavior has to be addressed right away because it, of course, is going to leave other children uncomfortable, and we don't want that to be the example, especially when we're talking about settings that are public settings. We also have to take into allowance that in different cultures, in uh, ethnic minority groups, that they might do things a bit differently. You know, in some cultures, for example, it's appropriate that the entire family sleep together. That's the way they did it in their home country, and that's the way they're going to do it here as well. And for those of us who are part of the dominant culture, when we hear this, we might be quite alarmed and think, oh my God, you know, what is this? And we do have to understand all of this in a cultural context. Could you be more specific in describing what would be inappropriate sexual behavior, Kevin? Anything that is imitating any kind of sexual activity, whether it would be imitation of oral sex, whether it's um, uh, vaginal or anal sex, that kind of behavior needs to be um, halted immediately. Okay. And Meg, would you like to weigh in on that? Yeah, I would love to weigh in on that. Whenever I see a child imitating adult sex, either you know with another child or by using dolls and doing it or using adult verbiage, that's a real red flag to me that something is going on in the home that either the child is seeing something or has been violated. And I take that very seriously. And that is, as Kevin said, quite different than normal exploration where kids will look and peek and touch. But when there's any tone of adult sexual behavior in it, then I really uh, do some investigation and even pull in uh, child protective services because a five, six, seven-year-old child should not fully be able to use adult language or imitate adult sexual acts. Okay. And we do have to be aware of what is considered normal in different cultures before we panic. Pat, how would you recommend that child care providers and, and early childhood professionals deal with what they see as inappropriate sexual behavior? key thing that we look at when we're talking about children under five is are they using any type of force? When children mutually explore each other, show me what you have, see what I have in that healthy exploration type of method, that is normal. But when one child is forcefully saying, I want to see this, that's when those little alarms go off in your head. And I think when we have places in the classroom where, again, I think of housekeeping and those type of areas where those behaviors normally occur. 
that's where the teacher needs to make sure that they're near the area so they pick up on these conversations and get to know the children so when you see someone being aggressive, that's when we really have to get involved and find out more what's going on. Get involved. What does that mean? Contacting the parents or do we go to Child Protective Services? Well, it it could be both. I think it depends upon the situation, but to get immediately involved in what's going on in the children's play so that we immediately can say, you know, um, my job is to keep you safe and I will not let you hurt anyone. So she does not want to play this way or he does not. And then work with the children, definitely call the, you know, the parents and talk about it. But if the pa- if the child should disclose, well, that's what mommy did to me or daddy did, then at that point, we sometimes have to skip over the parent and go straight to Child Protective Services. But often with this type of behavior, it's the parent that we contact first. Okay. Well, thank you so much to all of you for your input on this important topic. I really appreciate you being here today. You've been listening to Body, Mind, and Child with Ray Pika. This program is produced by Jack Street Media as part of the Affiliate Nanocasting Network. Thanks for listening.